Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. All right, well, I'm glad to see you here, especially from the very beginning of the service. I thought I was going to have to start paying people to sit in the seats here for this service, but you guys filled it up a little bit, so uh, I hope you guys are glad to be here. It took me about an hour and a half to get here today. I had to abandon one vehicle and come back for a different one, but I'm here. I'm glad to be here this morning, and uh, two services in, ready for number three, wrapping up a Christmas carol uh, this week. Uh, of course, this is based on that that idea of the novel from Charles Dickens, the, the Scrooge Christmas Carol, where you know he's a miserly old guy who thinks money's going to make him happy. It's not. It's making him miserable. And so he gets visited by three different spirits to go to the Christmas past and present and future to try to change him around. And so we've taken a look. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at our past and we talked about how we mend our past determines how we spend our future. We talked about three key words on how to mend our past. It's to release some things, uh, to repair things, and then to also receive healing and forgiveness. And then last week, if you missed last week, be sure sure to go back and catch up. We talked about how to live in the present. How many guys have trouble with living in the present? I do. I really do have trouble living in the present a lot. And so we talked about uh, living in the present and that your level of awareness to what God is doing around you determines your level of access to participate in what God has for you. And if we're not aware of what God is doing, then we can't access what God wants to do in our lives. And we talked again about living in, or we talked about living in the new, living in the near, and living in the now. So be sure to check that out. Today we're going to be talking about the future though. And here's the thought I really want you to get. You can't go back and redo your past, but you can redirect your future. How many guys know that's true? You can't go back and redo something that you screwed up in the past, but there is a path that God gives us to redirect our future. And so as I was thinking about this today, I started or earlier this week, I started to think about Peter in Scripture. Now, Peter was a guy that Jesus came and he personally, Jesus personally came up to, G, to Peter and said, follow me. Now, how many guys think that's pretty cool? I mean, personally. And so Peter responds, and he does. He leaves everything. He drops his fishing boat. He, he drops his nets. He dra- leaves everything to follow. He leaves his business, leaves his family to follow Jesus. Now, Peter's also one of those guys who's kind of like a big talker. Like, he just says whatever's on his mind. How many of you guys know somebody like that? A big talker just says whatever's on their mind. Somebody's elbowing somebody next to them because it's probably you. If that's you, you know what I'm talking about. That's probably me in my family. I'm the guy who just says whatever. And uh, so Peter was a lot like that. And he would just say things all the time. I mean, whatever came to mind, he would be the guy that would talk up first. He would speak up first. And so uh, there they are. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross and he's getting ready to, to be crucified. And he's gathering together with the 12 guys that he spent the last three years with. And Jesus begins to say, hey, things, I'm going to be crucified and you guys are going to split. You guys are going to scatter. And Peter says, no, I'm not. And here's the big talk. He's like, no, I'm not. And and you got to love it. He's like, all these guys may run away from you, but I won't. And Jesus says, no, you you will. And, And he says, even if I have to die with you tonight, I will not deny you. And Jesus comes back and he says, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And of course, the guards come into the garden. They take Jesus. The disciples scattered. you got to give Peter a little bit of credit because he followed at least at a distance, and he came into the courtyard to hear what was going on, and somebody came up to him and said, you're one of those Jesus followers, aren't you? And he's like, no, I'm not with him. 
This again, of course, happened three times. And as the last time that he said it, the rooster crowed. And then the Bible says that Jesus looked over at Peter. How many guys would think that's a creepy moment right there? I mean, that would be a little bit, a little bit creepy. And all of a sudden, all of every, all this big talk that Peter had, all this thing came crashing down. And all of a sudden, he felt the shame of denying Jesus. He felt like he went from being a big talker to being a coward. And that is where he left off. Jesus gets crucified, and he carried that shame and carried that guilt and carried that, that thing from his past, and that could have been his legacy. You realize that Peter's legacy could have been the guy who denied Jesus, and that was it. That was the end of his story. Now, you guys are thankful that God gives us a second chance, gives us a third chance, gives us a fourth chance. I mean, God is the God of new beginnings. And so the crucifixion happens, and here are all these guys. They've given their life to this thing for three years, and now Jesus isn't there. And so Peter, in, in John chapter 21, verse 3, he says, I'm going back to fishing. He, he's coming full circle from where Jesus found him. Jesus found him fishing in a boat, and he says, I don't know what else to do. I'm going back to fishing. And so all the other guys say, well, we're going with you. And so they go out fishing, and they catch nothing all night long. And then all of a sudden, they hear a voice coming from the, so the, from the, the shore. Hey, put your net on the other side of the boat. Now, they, they kind of start picking up on something because Jesus has done this to them before when they couldn't catch anything. And so they throw their net on the other side of the boat, and they get all of these fish so much they can barely haul it in. And all of a sudden, the light bulb goes on on Peter's mind, and he says, that's Jesus. And, and he doesn't even wait for the boat to come into shore. The Bible says that Peter jumps in the water, swims up to the shore. The other guys are like, hey, we can take a boat. You know, we got a boat right here. Doesn't matter to Peter. He's swimming to Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus is sitting there on the beach making breakfast for them. This was probably the best breakfast they ever had. I mean, if Jesus makes your breakfast... And so there Jesus is, he's making breakfast, get the picture, and he begins to talk to them. And verse 15, it says, when he, they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, why is he asking that? Because remember Peter said, hey, these other guys, if they all abandon you, I won't. And so Jesus comes back, you, you can almost feel the little sting in Peter's heart like, yeah, I, I do love you more than these. And he says, well, feed my lambs. In verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. And then he said to him the third time, Simon, Simon son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he asked him three times. But remember, he denied him three times. And so I believe Jesus was restoring Peter for each time that he denied Jesus, he was restoring him back. To relationship for every time he denied him he was restoring him back but Peter was kind of frustrated and he says do you love me and he said to him Lord you know everything for you know that I love you and Jesus said to him feed my sheep truly truly I say to you when you were young you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go now, that sounds a little bit mysterious. We don't have to wonder what Jesus meant by that because the very next scripture tells us what Jesus meant by that. It says, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Jesus brings Peter back full circle. 
Can you see this? He comes back and he reinstates me. He says, follow me. What did he mean by that, that death by which he would glorify him? You see, Christian tradition says that Peter was actually crucified. But Peter would not allow himself to be crucified. He said, I can't be crucified in the same manner as my Lord, so please crucify me upside down. And so they crucified him upside down. And Jesus was talking about this. He, and what was the good news about this? That seems like a horrible thing to say. Jesus is saying, hey, one day you're going to be crucified. And Peter's happy about that. Why would he be happy? It meant that his legacy was not going to be that of a coward. He, that as very last breath that he was going to acknowledge Jesus as his Lord and Savior. This was the best bad news that Peter had ever received in his life. It meant that he was going to be faithful. How many of you guys would love to hear that from Jesus? I mean, honestly, if you knew that at the very end that you were going to be faithful to the very last breath. You see, you can't go back and redo that. I'm sure Peter wanted to go back into his past and to redo and to, to re, redo things. But you can't redo things. But what you can do is through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the blood of Jesus, you can redirect your future and your past does not have to be your future legacy. You see, I think when it comes to our future, we all have this fear. And it's this fear of what I call the fear of trajectory. That if our life continues the path of trajectory that it's currently on, we can kind of forecast out what it'll end up being. We can look at our track record and say, yeah, I failed here, I failed here, so if it keeps going, I'll know what my life is going to be like in the future. Yeah, I screwed up here and I messed up that and I said that. And we fear trajectory of our future. But here's what I know about Jesus. He can change the trajectory of our path. He can change the trajectory. We, a lot of us think, well, my parents were doing this, and I'm turning it to my parents. How many of you guys have ever said something you thought, I sound like my parents now. How many of you guys have ever done that before? Like, that's what's going to happen. I'm just going to turn into my parents. And the same mistakes they made, I'm making the same thing because we fear trajectory. But Jesus can change our path. He can change our trajectory. You can't redo the past, but you can redirect the future. And so I want to give you guys some encouraging thoughts about your future today. You have to have hearts to receive him, though, okay? Because God can give us a word for, for us today, but we have to receive it into our heart. And so I just want to encourage you about your future today. The first thing I want to encourage you with is this, if you're thinking about your future, that God has been where you're going. God has been in your future. Why? Because God zooms out. He sees the whole timeline of history from the beginning to the end. God exists outside of time. He can see the whole thing play out. He knows what your day will be like tomorrow. He knows what the end of your life will be like. He's already been to your future. God has been where you're going. He knows what the future holds. And that's why we can trust God when he leads us. Because he's been where we're going. Psalm chapter 139 and verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Do you believe that? That God fashioned our days even before you were born? God knew what every day of your life would be like? You see, most of us doubt God and have trouble trusting God because we really don't believe that God has been where we're going. We really don't believe that God is leading us on a good path, that God holds the future in his hand, that God is our GPS system. If we would let God be our GPS system and trust him with that, we could let him have our future. How many, of you guys, how many of you guys have trouble asking for directions? I said guys on purpose. How many of you guys have trouble asking for directions? I don't just have trouble asking for directions for a car, like in a car or something. Now we got GPS. 
For me, it's like Walmart. How many of you guys have had trouble in Walmart before? I, this is like the worst place for me because I go to Walmart. I try to look for matches. I can't find matches anywhere in the whole thing of Walmart. I won't stop and ask for directions from any of these people in the blue vest. I'm going to find it myself. And so I go and so I start looking for places where matches should be. Charcoal. Matches should be by charcoal. How many of you guys agree with this? Matches should be by charcoal. They're not, okay? Matches should be by candles. Matches should be by anything flammable, but they're not. And so they're over in kitchens, like pans or something like that. I don't know what they're doing over there. I've spent an hour and a half in Walmart one time because I'm not asking for directions. I'm going to find the stinking matches. I found them eventually, but I spent an hour and a half in Walmart because I won't ask for directions. Now, some of us are like that in our lives, we won't trust God with the direction of our life. We won't trust God. But he has been in our future. God knows, Do you realize that God knows what's up ahead economically? God knows. God knows what's up ahead relationally in your life. God knows what your destiny holds. Man, you ought to just let that just, just sink in for just a little bit. God knows what's up ahead. God has been to where you are going. We just need to walk into the plans that God has for us. Uh, earlier this week, I was having coffee with Jacob Lears. He's a missionary that we support in Djibouti, Africa, and he's getting ready to go back over. And as I was walking in to have a meeting with him, to sit down and have coffee with him, I, I had this number drop in my spirit, $5,000, just dropped in my spirit. And I was like, okay. So I went down, I sat down, we began to talk, and he began to tell me about what was going on in their ministry and that they were $5,000 short from being able to go back. And I said, you're not anymore, because God just dropped that in my spirit, and God had already prepared in advance an abundance in our missions area for us to be able to do that right now. Now, think about how many times, he, I don't know if he was worried about that or not, but here's what I want you to know. God already spoke to me, even before he was walking into that meeting, he was walking and colliding into God's provision, and all he had to do is just trust and walk into it. That's what God does in our life. He's been where we're going, and he's taking care of it, and we ought to rest in that. Second thought is this. God is not limited by your problems. Whatever your problems may be, I can tell you this. God's not limited by them. God is a limited, limitless God. So no matter how big your problem seems right now, God is not limited by that. And how quickly we forget this and we let fear drop in our heart. We're all guilty of this, aren't we? We let fear drop in our heart. The Bible says one of the main commands in all of Scripture is fear not. It goes from the Old Testament all the way through a thread through the New Testament. The scripture was written on, on different continents by 1,500 years separating all, all of the, the writing of scripture by people from all different cultures and different languages, and yet that command, fear not, is a thread throughout all of it. Why? Because it's still incredibly relevant for you and I today. Because we're all going to be tempted to lean into fear, to not trust God. And so the Bible says, fear not, and commands us to fear not. But how many of you guys know that if God commands us to fear not, that it's possible for us not to fear? Sometimes we feel overwhelmed by fear. But the, if Jesus says fear not, God's will is always possible, and you cannot fear. And so a lot of times we, we, we deal with fear, and all of us wrestle with fear. Fear in our lives, we've got to understand where it starts, that fear only lives as a thought. It may be a spirit behind the thought, but fear is, if you went to look for fear, you would not be able to find a person that represented fear. You would not be able to find any substance in the earth. It only exists in thought form. 
And if fear only exists in thought form, then it can be stopped in thought form. The Bible says to take every thought captive in the name of Jesus, and you can take those thoughts captive by the power that God has given you. It only exists in thought form. It manifests itself out in our body and in our anxiety and in our lives, but it only exists in thought form. How many of you guys know that worrying or fear cannot add a single day to your life, can it? It can't. I mean, Jesus said, hey, don't worry about the lilies of the field or the flowers or the birds. I got them all. Worrying is not going to solve any of your problem. It's not going to add a day to your life. But how many of you guys would agree that worrying and fear can take days away from your life, can't it? Boy, I tell you what, how many times have I let fear or worry or frustration steal days and weeks of my life? I was talking to a guy this week, and he came in, and he, and he said, you know, six months ago, I was, I was out fishing. I was on a dock, and I was fishing with some friends and family, and the dock is kind of riding the water, going up and down. And we sat on there for a couple hours and came off the dock. And as I came off the dock, that feeling of going up and down like you're on a boat didn't leave. And it didn't leave that day, and it didn't leave for a day or two. And pretty soon, he started to worry and get in fear and panic and, fear, and think something is really wrong with me, that I, this is not leaving and so uh, one day he woke up in a panic and thought that there was something completely wrong with him and went to the ER, and the ER is doing all these things. They can't find anything wrong with him, and so they prescribed some sort of pills for him, and those pills all of a sudden cause other side effects that now he's dealing with other things and headaches and fears and other ways, and then pretty soon because of those things, he had to have uh, sleep tests and had to be wired up to all these different things, and then after that, they didn't find anything, and he had to do an MRI, and pretty soon because of all the stress and all the worry, they had to prescribe antidepressants to try to solve that problem. And here he was five, six months later, and he's been every single week, just been through torture. And at the end of it, they said, you know what? We can't find anything wrong with you, but sometimes the brain, if you get off a boat or something, that your brain has to recalibrate. And in some people, it doesn't recalibrate for a day or two or three. And that must have been what happened to you. And he thought, man, if I would have just not worried for an extra day or two, I could have saved myself six months of torture. And instead, he set himself on a path, a trajectory of unbelievable uh, stress and worry and money and all these things. How often is that the same for us in our life, that if we would just set aside worry, we would save ourselves from so much trouble? Because, see, God is not limited by your problems. God is not limited in any way by our problems. And sometimes fear overtakes us. According to psychologists, that there are, there are approximately 2,000 known phobias. Like uh, photophobia, like this fear of getting your picture taken. How many of you guys have that one? That's a phobia. 2,000 known phobias. But they say that there are only two innate fears. Two that you're born with. One is the fear of falling. So how many of you guys have ever had a, a, a dream where all of a sudden you're falling and you just like jar out of, out of sleep? Fear of falling is an innate fear. I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of falling and the crash. Um, but fear of falling and then fear of loud noises. Those are the two innate fears. And if that's true, that means every other fear is learned. Every other fear we have in our life is something we've learned because of our circumstances and because we've adopted it into our life. Here's how I define fear. Fear is the future, when you think about the future, minus the Father. Whenever we look at our future, 
If you don't have the Father in your future as you look at it, then it'll create fear into your life. When you look at your problems, if you look out at your problems and you're dwelling on your problems, if you're looking at your future and there's no Father in there, you're gonna have fear. Fear is the future minus the Father. You see, we have all these what-ifs that come up whenever the Father isn't in the picture. What if could be a good question. It could be like, like pregnant with potential, like what if God really does this or what if this really happens? But more often, what if is a negative thing. It's like, what if, you know, what if I don't get what I'm wanting? What if I do get what I don't want? What if I lose what I have? And all these what ifs. Here's what I found. The more stuff you get, the more worried you are about losing your stuff, isn't it? I mean, I found that time and time again. The more stuff you get, the more worried you are. Like, what if I lose what I have? I've lost all this stuff. So we have all these what-if questions that lead to fear. And here's what we've got to understand. Fear isn't necessarily a, a, a sin. Fear isn't necessarily a sin, but fear is an invitation to sin. Because here's what happens when we entertain fear. And I, I say entertain fear. Here's what happens. It, it's that we're renewing our mind to the way Satan thinks whenever we dwell on fear. We're renewing our mind to Satan's thoughts. The Bible says to renew our mind to God's ways. That's faith. But whenever we have fear, we're renewing our mind to Satan's thoughts. And how many of you guys are thankful that God can break that fear off of our life? And God isn't limited by our problems. Here's what faith is. Faith is the future plus the Father. Whenever you think about your future, if you have the Father in it, you can rest easy. You can rest sure. You can rest with your feet upon the rock, knowing that no matter what happens, he said that he would clothe, he can clothe the, the birds and the, the flowers even better than Solomon, that he can take care of me. Faith is the future plus the Father, because God is not limited by our problems. When God needs to feed 5,000 people, when Jesus is, is walking the planet, he's, he takes five loaves and two fishes, and he says five plus two equals 5,000 people fed with a remainder of 12 baskets full left over. That's how God works math. He, he has no, he's not limited by our problems. He's a faithful, faithful God. Number three, if God has done it in the past, he can do it again. If you can find a moment in your past and you said, you know what, God was faithful there. I, I lacked provision and God provided. If God did it in the past, he can do it in the future. You know, if you look back at your past and you say, you know what, my relationship was torn and frayed and broken, but God put it back together. And, and if God did it in the past, he can do it again. If you look back at your past and you say, you know what, there was a time where I felt uncomfortable, I felt like I was in fear, but God solved that fear and he healed my heart and he, and he gave me a right now word, then God could do it again. If God has done something in the past, he can do it again. Now, somebody may be here and you say, well, Sean, I can't point back to a moment in my past where God did something. Maybe you're a new believer. Or maybe you just haven't experienced anything like that. If you don't have a story, borrow one. <laughs> if you don't have a story in your past, then borrow one from somebody else. Okay? If you want to know what the Bible is all about, the Bible, that's the purpose of the Bible. It's chock full of stories of the faithfulness of God so that we can look at what God has done in the past and we can apply it to our future and say, if God did it here, then God can do it in my life, amen? If God did it, if God, I need delivered, God took the children of Israel and he delivered them, then I'm gonna use that story and I'm gonna say, if God did it in the past, then he can do it again. We can take hold of the story of the psalmist who said that God is an ever-present help in time of need. Well, if God did it for the psalmist, then God can do it in my life. Okay, we can look at Paul and we can say, 
Paul was a guy who was, a, before he was saved, he was a murderer. He was, uh, I mean, he was doing all these evil things. And yet God made him the guy who was going to be the grace preacher. And so if God can take a Saul and turn him into a Paul and give him grace for all he did, then how do you guys know God can do that in your life too, can't he? You borrow Paul's story. And you say, well, Paul had a story of grace. And if God did in the past, he can do it again. And then you also come and you say, I'm going to be like God and do what God did in Scripture, and I'm going to declare the end of my story from the beginning of my story. That's what God did. He sees it all, and he declared the end from the beginning. He came up to ten lepers. They're covered in leprosy. It's visible. Everybody can see it. And Jesus says, go, in in Luke chapter 17, verse 14, he says he looked at them, and he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. I want you to pay attention to what happened there. You see, in those days, if you had leprosy, you were outside the colony, outside the village. If you were healed or thought you were healed, you had to go show yourself to the priest who would then, stamp of approval, you can go back to your life. But there they were outside, and Jesus says, Be, it says go show yourself to the priest. And so they go, and they didn't get healed right then visibly in front of anybody. As they left Jesus, from anybody else's perspective, they still had leprosy. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. And here's what I've always wondered about that scripture. I wonder, what did Jesus see? And here's what I know about God. He sees the end from the beginning. I honestly believe that Jesus, when he looked at those lepers, he saw them as healed. And it was easy for him to say, go show yourself to the priest. You're healed. Because he saw the end from the beginning. I wonder what would happen if we began to look at our life the same way. We begin to look at our problem and we begin to see it fixed and we begin to speak to it that way. If we saw our relationship and we saw it healed and we began to speak to it that way. If we begin to see with eyes of faith like God sees and we begin to declare the end from the beginning. Let me tell you something else faith is. Faith is living in the now what will be. Faith is living now what will be. And some of us need to start being prophets to our future and begin to prophesy now what will be and live it out now. That's what faith is. Let me me wrap up with a final final word. And I I feel like every single service, I feel like somebody needs to receive this. But just because you need to receive it and it's a right now word, it doesn't mean that you will. And so I just ask you to just take a moment and just open up your heart to God and say, just trust that maybe God has something in this, okay? And it's this, last encouragement. It's never too late to become who God is calling you to be. It's never too late. You, you may think, well, I screwed it up too bad, or my path took a trajectory that it didn't, doesn't look like it's going to be this or that or the other. It's never too late to become who God is calling you to be. God is a God of second chances. He's a God of, of new beginnings. He's a God that can redirect the path. It's never too late to become who God is calling you to be. No matter how bad it is, no matter how bad you screwed it up, or even if you just chose a different path, no matter how bad the shame or the guilt or the redirect, we have this promise in Romans 8, verses 28, that God will work all things together for the good of those who believe in him and who are called according to his purpose. Amen? He works it together in the end, and God declares the end from the beginning. Would you guys stand up with me? I just want to declare that over your life as we we get out of this place. Maybe see a picture in your mind of whatever it is you're walking through right now. 
and you think the trajectory is going to end up in a certain place, begin to see God change the trajectory of it. Begin to see the end from the beginning right now, just like Jesus sees your situation, just like Jesus sees your marriage, just like Jesus sees your problem, just like Jesus sees your provision. Begin to see it how Jesus sees it. And he sees it as done, completed, healed, set free, delivered. That's how he sees it. And you begin to prophesy to that. You begin to prophesy to your future and say, I am going to, in faith, live now what will be. I'm going to live as if my future has the Father in it. And I'm going to trust that. Lord, I pray right now for people this morning. Maybe you think it's, it's too late. I, I can't go back and redo my past. Lord, I pray that you would drop in their spirit right now, that there can be a redirect for their future. Lord, that you would inject them with Holy Spirit courage, with Holy Spirit encouragement, with Holy Spirit boldness, and a Holy Spirit lift up this morning. They would be picked up and carried by your spirit this morning with a fresh right now word for their life. Lord, we receive that. Lord, we say, have your way in our life, and we participate with you in declaring the end from the beginning. And we look at the future, and we thank you that you are in it, and if you're in it, who can be against us? That's our declaration in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship one more time. All right, Christmas Eve coming up this Saturday. Invite your friends and family. It's going to be awesome. And then look forward to the first because uh, New Year's Day, January 1st, we're going to be kicking off a fast. I believe it's going to be a significant time. Be praying about how you might participate in that. And we will see you later. See you this Saturday. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.